Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. So I was thinking that, as Kenzie said, you know, it's already the fourth week in January. Wow. It's like time seems to be flying. So I, I just went over what happened so far this month. So the first Sunday, we heard about being full of the Spirit. The second Sunday, full of the Word. And last Sunday, uh, although maybe the terminology wasn't used about being full of joy, it was about joy. So the, the Spirit, the Word, and joy. And so that's a great way to start the year off. And you, you guys have heard this probably before, but I told you my testimony how when I got saved and accepted Jesus as Lord, I mainly did it because I was afraid I would go to hell. It wasn't the highest motivation, but some, for some reason, you know, God does different things with everyone. And when somebody told me that I, if I was killed in a car accident, I could go to hell if I didn't receive him, that's, it, that did it for me. So I thought, I want to receive Jesus. And, and a lot of times when people are motivated by lower motivations, that's not the highest motivation. It doesn't last or, you know, you think, well, okay, I, I, I did that now, I received Jesus, and now I'll see you when I get to heaven and do my own thing. But it, it, here's the thing. I was sincere, and I received him. He got in, and I couldn't get away from him. You know, and I believe that's why we're all here this morning, because he's in us, and we want to be, be together. We want him. So... I pursued him, and I'm still here. But once he got on the inside of me, you know, it became more than missing hell. I just put a few things down. You know, of course, I was saved from sin. I was made new and alive in him. Came into relationship with him. Big, so big. Have all of us promises. So as I was thinking about today, this topic came into me so it's like is there another reason for staying with him you know when you become a christian is there another reason and this is what i want to talk about today like why are we doing this why are we doing this and here's the scripture that came to me in second corinthians five ten: for we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ each one uh, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We're going to tear into that today or really break that open, whatever terminology uh, would work there. But I just think, you know, I believe this year, I just really have an expectancy about this year, about wonderful things. It doesn't mean out there is going to be that great, out in the world, but I have a real expectancy for the church and the people of God. I'm just sensing there's going to be more outpouring, more of the presence of God, more healings and miracles, which are the children's bread, but they also are like a dinner bell for the lost. I just am sensing that, that we're, the church is going to start rising up and be the church in the midst of a lot of things that aren't quite right out there. So, so I, I know that. And so even with this message, like, why are we doing this? This might be a, a heart-searching kind of a message, and I believe it's great to have that, and even in January for us to, if, if uh, making adjustments, it's a great time to do it in the beginning of the year. But I thought about, you know, we can focus on 
little things or we can focus on big things. You know, we all have a choice that like you want to focus on the smaller things or focus on the big thing. We can focus on earthly things or we can focus on heavenly things. We can focus on short term or we can focus on long term. And I found that like when I focus on the things that I focus on, if I'm short term, little picture and earthly things, it kind of, it doesn't have the same effect like of hope and vision and joy. But when I focus on the big picture and I focus on heavenly things and those big things, it just brings more joy. It brings vision. And so just want to look at some of that today because we're, um, we want to live with our eye on eternity. Uh, and, and so in order to talk what I want to talk about, there's going to be something I want to get to. But I felt like for Christians, you may have not heard this explained and I feel like it would be good for everyone to hear this explained. So what is the judgment seat of Christ? Because it's important to know that before we look into some other things. So I want to just uh, get into that today. So here's something that, uh, different kind of a name, L, full stop, cell, dash Harrison, this guy. Uh, he said this, he said, in the Grecian games in Athens, the old arena contained a raised platform on which the president or umpire of the arena sat. From here he rewarded all the contestants, and here he would reward all the winners. It was called the Bema, and you might say Bema or Bema, or reward seat. It was never used as a judicial bench. So, uh, you know, if there was something I would underline there, it would be that last sentence. It was never used as a judicial bench. And so what does that mean? Well, you know, judicial benches are places where a lot of times a judgment is pronounced. This was a reward, place for rewards. So it's called the judgment seat of Christ, but if you look at it and just, uh, I'll explain it, judgment seat's two words, but if you look in the Greek, you'll see it it would be worded like this. I'm going to read the way it's worded. So it says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat. Well, if you saw it in the Greek, it would say we must all appear before the bema. That's how it is in the Greek. So the translators put judgment seat there. All right, so that, that word, um, it comes from, those two words come from one word, the word bema. And so bema is a step, a footstep, foot breath, space, to set the foot on. That's simply what it is in the Greek. So in other words, it's elevated. This platform is elevated. So it was a place that was elevated where people got rewards. That's simply what it was. So here's something that uh, a man by the name of Arthur Pridham said, and this is a little bit deep. Like I, I read this to Patsy last night. She goes, it's almost like you've got to read each one of those things 10 times to get it. But I'm just going to trust, I'm going to try to read slow and I broke it up, so if you go back, it says, a saint will never again come into judgment on account of his natural or inherited iniquity, for he is already dead judicially with Christ and is no longer known or dealt with on the footing of his natural responsibility. As a man, he has been weighed and found wanting. So we... Everyone has that up to there? All right, let's go to the next part. He was born under condemnation 
to a natural heritage of wrath, and nothing good has been discovered in his flesh. But the guilt has been obliterated by the blood of his Redeemer, and he is freely and justly pardoned for his sins. Okay, the last segment. He is justified by faith and is presented in the name and on the merits of the just one before God and of his new and ever-blessed title to acceptance, the Holy Spirit is the living seal and witness. Into judgment, therefore, on his own account, he cannot come. So you see what that's saying. So when, when we talk about the judgment seat, it's actually the reward seat. And so there's, there's going to be the great white throne judgment. There's two places of judgment in the end. One is the judgment seat of Christ, and the other is the great white throne judgment, which I'm going to talk a little bit about. But it's important for Christians to understand this, that when we are before him, and I'm going to, I'm going to explain it even more to break it down. It, and, and I think it's, and it's interesting that, you know, when you understand some of these things, it positions you in a place that you serve God not because you're so afraid, but it's almost out of his goodness. And it puts you in a place that you do it out of a free will without fear. And so that's kind of the way it's been when I began to learn these things, that I give my life to him because he loves me, and I want to do it. Christians should not be afraid of him. We should, re- we should have reverential fear, but we should not be so fearful of God that we serve out of that place. And, and we'll look at it in a little bit more. So the Bema seat of Christ, in order for anyone to appear at that place, one must be born again, washed in the blood of Christ. So if you're with us today, and we welcome our online uh, viewers, if you're watching online or you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, we're going to give you that opportunity at the end. We're going to lead you in a prayer so you can do that because by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord, it will make it possible for you to be at that reward seat in the end. And that's where we want to be. We don't want to be at the great white throne judgment. Okay, we want to be at the, the reward seat, the, the, the judgment seat, as the Bible calls it, the Bema seat in the Greek, the reward seat, different ways that you can call it. So, uh, at this seat, our works will be evaluated for rewards, not to validate salvation. Okay, see, so when we get to that seat, we'll be eval- evaluated for rewards, not to validate salvation. The one difference between the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment, those at the white throne judgment will be condemned. That's not the place any of us would want to be. No man's works will be accepted without the blood of Christ. So this is why at the Bema seat of Christ, the Bema of Christ is what you can call it, a man may lose rewards for poor service, but not lose his salvation. Okay, so it's important for all Christians to know that. Salvation is a gift of God that the Christian cannot work for. I think that's, we, we should understand that. The purpose of the judgment seat of Christ is to reward the saints of God who have overcome this world. 
here's the scripture, and we could do so many, but here's just one scripture in John 5, 24. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God, and this is Jesus talking, who sent me, have eternal life. They will never be condemned in their sin for their sins, but they have already passed from death to life. And I underline that because that's important to know. All right? And, and so sometimes uh, there's always been a concern in the body of Christ if you preach grace the way that you see it in the Bible, that um, people might think they have a license to sin. It's when you come under understanding of this. It's like, that's why I always say it's joy unspeakable and full of glory what God did in Christ where we are cleansed of our sins and he's going to uh, deliver us from wrath it's a wonderful thing, but uh, somebody once said, well, most Christians don't need a license to sin because they're doing enough of it, you know, and, and so we, but we don't teach any of this to, you know, for the thought that, oh, I, you know, boy, I can just go and do anything I want. Now, that's not the purpose of it, and actually, it, what the effect of it has is, it, the Bible says, those that are forgiven of much love much. And so actually when you're forgiven of much, it causes you to love much. And so I, I don't know, like my wife grew up with a pastor's father, and she, she got saved at such an early age, she makes jokes, she got saved, you know, and we know she's saved, she's proved that. But she makes jokes sometimes, like, I don't even remember when I got saved, but she got saved. I didn't grow up that way. You know, I grew up in a house where I had six brothers, and so I was forgiven of much, my lifestyle, and I love much, <laughs> and I know some of you can relate. So here's a few more thoughts on this. Let's get into it a little deeper. Let's go back to Second Corinthians five ten. It says, "For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad." So that scripture, like, so let's talk about how is Christ going to judge the church? Uh, what's he going to be looking for? Uh, all right, so this seat is not a seat to condemn, remember? So this above scripture that we just read, it seems to imply that Christ will judge the good and the bad in our lives. So that's, it's really important. To, what, what is that all about? Because what I said previously, this seems to, contradict that so here is uh, a quote from I don't know if he's a theologian but uh, somebody that has been around uh, probably up in heaven by now but he, he says this the word bad here deals not with ethical or moral evil but rather its meaning is worthlessness or good for nothing the impossibility of any future gain ever coming forth from it, this notion of worthlessness is the central focus. So does that help? So here's what Dr. J. Dwight Pentecost, what a name, huh? Here's what he says. He says, thus, the judgment is not to determine what is ethically good or evil, but rather that which is acceptable and that which is worthless. It is not the Lord's purpose here to chasten his children for their sins, but to reward their service for those things done in the name of the Lord. So is that 
making more and more clear? Is that bringing clarity there? That's why it's like joy unspeakable and full of glory. My, he's, he's been so good to, uh, to us. So here's like some scriptures that promise rewards. Now, this scripture in 1 Corinthians 3, 8 says, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each, one, each will receive his wages according to their labor. So if we think about what we just read, it would mean there's sometimes we may do things and we're motivated incorrectly. So that, if it's with the wrong motive, somebody once said you can do the right thing for the wrong reason or the right thing for the wrong motivation. And so if that kind of service is going on, that could be something that would end up as being worthless because you may have done something good, but it was for the wrong motive or what motivated you wasn't correct. So it's not going to take you out of heaven, but it's just going to be a a worthless thing that won't be rewarded. Is that easy to understand? Uh, And then somebody also once said, you can do the wrong thing with the right motive. And that's always possible, isn't it? This scripture that we just read, I thought it so interesting how each one will receive his wages according to his labor. Now look at these three scriptures. These are all so powerful. Uh, This one, it says, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So when we, uh, when we get resurrected, you know, or when there's that resurrection, there's going to be people receiving the, the Bema seat, you know, rewards. Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Revelations 22, 12. Look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. So that's just a few scriptures that say... You know, it's either, uh, well, I, I won't get ahead of myself and say that, but here's, a, here's an old phrase that, uh, and I love this, I don't know who coined this phrase, I don't know how long it's been around, but it's a simple phrase, it doesn't cost, it doesn't cost to serve God, it pays. And so for all Christians, we really have to know that, that sometimes when we serve, we think it's costing us, but it never costs us because it goes into eternity. There may be a price to pay on the earth, and some people have paid high prices. The early church guys were killed, a lot of them. They were martyrs. They paid high prices. If you look in the book of Hebrews, you see, because the Jewish nation, they had, they had legislated laws. They were part of the nation. And then here comes Jesus into God's nation with their own laws, and they had law, and he brought grace. And it's amazing how... <laughs> the legalism of what they had, they wanted to fight the goodness and grace of God. And so those early guys, they were pioneering the gospel in a place that had the law, and they, they, were, they were made martyrs. And so you see in the book of Hebrews where it talks about that they, were, um, that they were looted, that actually some of their goods were stolen from them. It's, it's one verse in the book of Hebrews I don't have it in my notes, but it actually like they were plundered and looted, whatever you want to call it. That's, that's like what you call paying some high prices to serve. But it still didn't cost them because they ended up in eternity. And if you think about eternity, it's forever, and some things are just temporary on the earth. Okay, so here's, what, here's the part that 
everything I've did up until now was uh, like laying a foundation to get to this verse because this verse just really hit me and, and I felt like it was something we needed to look at. But um, it's about 10 to relationships, they affect eternity. So I, I never noticed this until just this week. Romans 14, 10, it says, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? And look at this, look, it's connected, for we will stand before the judgment seat of God. And I just really never noticed that before, like how that's connected and what, you know, there's, the Bible's a big book, it's got a lot of things in there, and it isn't sometimes you can pass over things, but I thank God when the Holy Spirit just brings like that to your attention, how that connected there. So we established, based on what we just established, the Bema seat is for rewards, to give them or not to give them. That's what that seat is for. So now it's connecting this. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Why do you despise your brother? The Bema seat's not to determine salvation. So uh, relationships tend to affect eternity. It tends to go up to the, the, that Bema seat. And I thought, wow, that's like interesting, it's powerful. So there's those two things there about judging and despising. So I asked the Lord, I said, you know, if the Bema seat isn't judicial, but if it's a reward seat, then why does Romans 14.10 connect our behavior to our rewards? Because that's what we see there. It's connecting behavior to rewards. And uh, so this is what I believe came to me. It's the attitude, diligence, and motivation that we serve with that determines the kind of reward. And, you know, in the book of Corinthians, it talks about gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. And it's very interesting how all that works together because when precious stones, they can endure heat, you know, but wood, hay, and stubble burn up. So when we say the beam of seat and we go up there, anything that we did with, uh, we, we talked about those things like wrong attitude, even sometimes lack of diligence probably can affect, and even the motive, what motivated. And so those thoughts, those things can burn up so we don't lose our salvation, but the things that were done with the right motivation and attitude and diligently, those things will not burn up and there's going to be a reward. And so, interesting, and, uh, and I'll say a few other things, but here's some other things that came to me when I asked the Lord that. Some aren't moved with compassion, but with competition. And that just came, you know. And then here's another thing that came. Some are moved because they love people. Others use people to better themselves. So, you know, this is just a message where we're searching our hearts and making sure that we're starting off this year in, in, in a good place. But getting back to that, that our brothers and our sisters and judging them and having, if, if we would despise them, uh, I, I believe today, like, the Lord is wanting us to examine ourselves along these lines. I thought, well, how, how could these, how could this affect us? So this came to me that relationships affect anointing. And, a, you know, we heard a wonderful message with Cole Stringer on mega, mega grace. And, but the thing is, you can pray for grace until you're blue in the face. 
But I believe if you are judging a brother and you despise a brother, you can just keep praying until you're purple. You can go from blue to purple. <laughs> because it's going to affect that. And look at uh, Psalm 133.1. It says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard and the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So I was thinking, you know, why did he connect behavior with the reward seat? And I, I, I thought, well, there, there would probably be less grace, less anointing, less effectiveness and fruitfulness if we're carrying any of that, uh, if we despise a brother or if we uh, are judging a brother. And so today, this is just a time for us to, to think about, you know, our, just examine ourselves. The Bible says examine yourself. And so there's nothing wrong with examining ourselves. So here, just, I'm going to invite Andy up here. We're, we're going to just take a little time. I'm not preaching as long today because we're just going to sit before the Lord. Andy's going to sing, and we're just going to have a little time. But here's just a summary of what I'm saying. We are assured a place in heaven and eternity because of our faith in the Lord Jesus. We established that. The bema, seat of, the bema seat of Christ, the bema of Christ, is the seat of rewards. The rewards are either given or not given. So we understand that clearly. It isn't the area of responsibility we serve in that brings the best rewards. In other words, some people think, well, I would, if I was a world-renowned evangelist, I would get the best rewards. I don't believe so. I think that would be unfair because God has called some to be world-renowned, but I believe it's the attitude, the motivation, and the diligence. And so I truly believe if the Lord says to do the most minute thing in the church, but if it's done with the right attitude and diligence and the right motivation, that person will be equally rewarded as a world-renowned prophet, evangelist, or, or, and so on. And it just came into my heart right when I said the word prophet. I just wanted to say, uh, you know, as pastor, that I keep up on things, and I notice that there's been some criticism to prophets that prophesied concerning what happened in the United States. And I just want to say, you know, I personally don't want to judge them. That's between them and God. And I just want to encourage everyone, you know, like, I'm not quite sure why the church goes after the church. I don't think the church should go after the church. Okay. And so even recently there was a minister that fell and I'm looking on, I'm on YouTube and I'm seeing these these Christians are doing more investigation to find more dirt on the guy. Why is the church going after the church? He owned up to it. He's being restored. Because it says about judging your brother, because we're going to be before the seat, the Bema seat. Let's not judge our brothers and sisters. They're going to have to answer to God. Is that okay to say? This is just one of those kind of, it's like, this is the way the Lord's directed me today. So um, it isn't the area of responsibility that we serve that brings the best reward. So I, I believe that no matter what the Lord says to do, the most minute thing is going to be equally rewarded 
if it's done with our hearts, right motivations, diligence, and the right attitude. And then lastly, it's of utmost importance we maintain right relationships with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Our relationships affect eternity. So that's what I'm wanting to get out today. I just really invite you guys to sit. You can close your eyes. Andy's going to sing. And then we're going to pray after that, okay? questions while he was singing and this question like if I forgive 
well, I feel different. And I believe the Holy Spirit said, forgiveness isn't a feeling. And so when you forgive someone, the feelings don't always leave immediately. Sometimes they do. But when the feeling comes back, this is what I feel like the Lord is saying, do not allow the feelings to affect your thinking. When the feelings come back is the time to forgive, say, I've forgiven that person. I've forgiven that person. It's not based on my feelings. By faith, I forgive that person. I choose to think the best of that person. And then there was this question that I feel like somebody was saying, Lord, would you actually forgive me again for that? I've asked you so many times, and I felt as the Holy Spirit says, yes, I will. I forgive you immediately. And when I forgive, I forget. It's cleansed and washed away. The Lord just saying that. Let's just sing that a little bit more. Search my heart, oh God. Make it true. I promised earlier, if you're watching online or in this room together with us, uh, and you want to get to that reward seat, that Bema seat that we looked at, the first step to get there, the, the main step, the only step, is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord. So I'd love to lead you in a prayer right now so you can receive him as your Savior and your Lord. So I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and you can just repeat this after me and just know that it's the heart needs to be engaged. It's not something of the head, but it, it says if you believe in your heart, so uh, it's, you, you don't do it from your head, you do it because you really want to do it. You want him. You want him to be your savior. It's a heart engagement. So you can just repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. And Jesus, I thank you so much. You were obedient. You came to earth for me. You suffered for me. You died for me. You were raised from the dead for me. You're seated at the right hand of the Father for me. I receive you as my Savior. I believe God raised you from the dead. You're welcome in my heart. I receive forgiveness of sins. I'm cleansed and I'm clean. 
If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.